0: Well, you just heard a lot of basketball. We had a lot of baseball and softball this weekend on the channel. As a matter of fact, Friday was an adventure because softball had two games. And then I just wanted to call that second game knowing that it would probably overlap with baseball. And we'd miss the beginning of the baseball game on the channel. And it just happened that way. It was, all right, we only missed the top of the first inning. And then Saturday, it just went too long with that second softball game start time, so we presented sort of bonus coverage on Bulls Unlimited 2 with Ryan Urquhart calling the win against St. John's. And then I was ready for baseball, another victory. Yesterday it was always the plan to simulcast the Jim Laut call of the finale of the baseball series on Bulls Unlimited 2, 17-2 to, to complete the sweep while we had women's basketball and softball back-to-back. And yeah, there was a missed top of the first in the softball game, but it all worked out. And now to figure out when to replay the games, we'll just do some of the highlights here. If you want to hear all the highlights of the baseball first two games against Stony Brook, guess what? We're replaying them. We will not replay the third game because, again, it wasn't our original broadcast. It was off of ESPN+. But we'll give you more highlights of that here in just a little bit. When you have a sweep in a series, you probably have to win one game that's close. And that was the Friday night game. And unfortunately for Stony Brook, their ace pitcher, Nick Janeiro, who was cruising along, got hurt. And it sounds like it's an elbow injury, the same thing he suffered a couple years ago. And as we saw, Stony Brook does not have too much starting pitching depth after that. Now, before we get to the accounts and the highlights, must be said, different starting lineup on Friday. No Roberto Pena, no Matt Ruiz, no Nick Gonzalez. All starters from last year, and Gonzalez for three years, None are with the team right now. We'll give you more on that story, but that's for down the road. Let's tell you what happened in the game. Stony Brooks scored right away on a two-out hit in the top of the first inning, and the Bulls didn't get much going against Janeiro. Marcus Brodile, the freshman who got the start, basically a DH over Pena, led off the third with a single and got to second on a wild pitch but two Ks. Bulls hit into a double play in the fourth. You get the idea. Then Janeiro pulls himself out of the game in the bottom of the fifth, but Stony Brook adds a run in the sixth. Jack Jasiak was great in his six innings. Kind of deserved a win, but definitely deserved a no decision. If not the win, he struck out eight. Bulls get a run in the bottom of the sixth inning on a Carmine Lane RBI single, but they had the bases loaded. Kyle Johnson comes in to pitch and gets two big outs, so the Bulls are still down two to one. I remember the opener last weekend against UConn where Joe Sanchez came in for the seventh inning and struggled. Norian Kirkring had to come in and, Burn himself for the rest of the weekend. Sanchez was much better. Pitched two strong innings. Set up the chance to win in the bottom of the eighth. Drew Butcher leads it off with a single. Ben Rosenblum has been great at the top of the order. A single. They both steal a base on a very close play at third. And then a 3-2 walk to Carmine Lane. In comes another pitcher. Andrew Ledbetter. To strike out the next two. So the Bulls had left the bases loaded to keep it 2-1. And the same thing looked like it might happen. Instead... Without getting a hit, the Bulls take the lead. Fans really into it right now. Obviously, ball four, ties the score. Pressure situation for Ledbetter. And did he go? He did not! Ball four! Ledbetter thought it was a strike on the inside corner. KJG with the BB and the RBI. Bulls have one base's loaded walk. It's 3-0 in a tie game. Rosenblum dancing off third base. And that one almost hit him. Bulls take the lead. Top of the night, the Orion Kirk ring with a nine-pitch save. And the Bulls advance to Saturday, and they jumped on Stony Brook early. Here's the delivery, and he whacks it into the gap. Is it going to get down? It is! And it's going to bounce over the wall. That is going to keep the bases from unloading, but speaking of unloading, Keanu Jacobs-Gishard does on that ball. It's a two-run double, and it's 3 nothing. Keanu Jacobs-Gishard, apparently your new shortstop for the Bulls, and a dandy one at that, had just ripped a couple of balls. And, boy, he kept doing it all weekend and finally got rewarded. Three-run first inning. Now, there'd be a few tense moments in this one because the Bulls got it up to 5-1, but they left the bases loaded a couple of times and... Drew Brutcher almost had a grand slam to put it away. And then here comes Stony Brook with two runs in the top of the six. Devin Hemingway had to come on for Brad Lord, who still got the win. Hemingway kind of struggled in the sixth inning and got a little help in the seventh. Making sure he's got the pitch call right from the dugout is Hemingway before he delivers. Now he gathers himself back up, pitching out of the stretch here. Fastball right to the second baseman. It's going to be a double play! That is a break. That was hit on the screws. Bulls deserve that because Daniel Cantu hit one to the wall and I mentioned the Brutcher near Grand Slam and then finally the Bulls put it away in the seventh. Proud, anticipating a big moment. Who is it going to be a big moment for? We'll find out. per ball, drill, for the hole. One run will score, here comes Mayo. And Ben Rosenbloom at long last, comes through for the Bulls. It's seven to three. Bulls would win at nine to three. Carmine Lane, three hits and two ribs each for Mr. Rosenbloom, as you just heard, Cantu and Jacobs Shard. Then this was the call of Jim Lauk of Home Run Derby Sunday. Toward left, hit pretty well. Going back is Durkin, warning track wall. That ball's carrying, and it's gone. Two-run homer for Carmine Lane, and the Bulls break out on top early. Green light on 2-0, and and he hits it a long way to the opposite field. Durkin going back, and that is out of here. Opposite field, home run, Drew Bruncher, and the Bulls lead it 9-1. Cantu gives it a ride to right field, going back, and that is in the trees. Daniel can, too. Oh, he definitely can. Drew Brutcher adds a two-RBI double later. Actually came up with the bases loaded in a 20-minute bottom of the eighth with the Bulls-plated four. Couldn't make it 21-2, but 17-2 will do. Carmine Lane, three for five with a three-RBI. Everybody in the starting lineup had a hit. Jacobs Guichard, another couple of doubles. And Sonny Rayo, a freshman from Orlando, gets his first career hit. Driving in a pair himself, Dylan Vega almost went the five to get the win, but he was very strong, and Jack Sievert gets the win. He struggled in his first start last weekend, goes an inning and a third, a pitless ball. Nolan Hootie finished up with a three-strikeout ninth inning, showing off a good slider. Fun stuff all the way around, and the Bulls now play a 6-2 and two FIU at home tomorrow night. Get out there if you can. Lane, by the way, hitting 500 through six games. Bulls are 4-2. and two. He's also driven in 10. Rosenblum hitting 400. As a team, the Bulls are hitting 3 one So they'll host FIU tomorrow night. will be on the air at 5:45 for that one. Panthers started off their season winning a four-game set with the newer Division I program St. Thomas out of Minnesota. Then they went to Bethune-Cookman, so they were 5-0. Friday they went to 6-0 with a one nothing winning at Seton Hall, but then Saturday they were hosting two teams. They got drubbed by Michigan 16-8. Then yesterday beat Seton Hall again, but then lost to Michigan 13-9, so they're 7-2. Bulls will be at home Tuesday and then go to UNF on Wednesday. We won't be broadcasting that game because, well, women's basketball is playing on Wednesday night. UNF just got swept by UConn, which of course went two and one in Tampa the first weekend, including a win against the Bulls. If you're curious, Louisville, which went one and two in Tampa, is already above five hundred and Charlotte. Lost a series over the weekend. You want those teams that the Bulls played to keep on having good years, as promised. Here on the Unlimited and Loaded page, full highlights of what happened with softball over the weekend. We got tennis still to come. Softball started off on Friday with back-to-back shutouts pretty good start. Actually, it was kind of a shaky start in the first game against Fairfield, which was a one-win team coming in, as not only did the Stags get base runners on against Georgina Cork in each of the first two innings, Josie Foreman wiped out a base stealer at second base with a great throw from catcher. but the Bulls, after Alexis Johns let off the game with a walk and stolen base, couldn't move her around. And here comes the bottom of the second inning, a couple of walks and then an error, and the bases are loaded. Jordan Kadleff walks with the bases loaded, after a force out at home, wild pitch makes it 2 0. So, Bulls had two runs but didn't have a hit. That changed. Pitch count nearing the 50 mark here for Reinhardt. Not what she had in mind, I'm sure. A very experienced player, but having a bad experience here in her fifth year, at least in this game. Oh, that ball's whacked up the middle. Boy, great effort by the shortstop, but that's going to play to pair. And forget about the no-hitter. It's 4 nothing, And game over. It's good to say that and be able to kind of take it for granted. That's how good Georgina Corrick is. Fairfield, a team that just has not been scoring runs. The Bulls would add three runs in the bottom of the fourth inning. Madison Epperson, Des Maldonado started off with singles, a nice sack bunt by Jordan Cadleb. RBI fielder's choice for Hallie Bryant, who came on for Alexis Johns, who had jammed her finger, it looked like, on that first stolen base that would become an issue the next day but in this day alana rivera rbi single and the only question was could the bulls get that eighth run in the bottom of the fourth to make it a quicker game and actually would have made it easier to get all the games on the air on friday so that's what i was thinking they couldn't finally in the bottom of the sixth they ended it in run rule fashion oh Oh, that's going to end the game and it might be caught or it might sail to the bottom of the wall it does only the one run will count And Josie Foreman on what would have been a bases-clearing double or triple, instead will get a game-ending single to the bottom of the center field wall. So Foreman gets the hit, and the Bulls get the, even though it took maybe an extra 30 minutes, run rule victory. Cork only needed to go five innings in the win, just gave up the one hit. No walks, 6Ks, Antoinette Hill pitched the next inning. Anytime you can get back-to-back wins on a day without giving up a run, it's a pretty good day. They would get that with Erin Pepping supplying a solid pitching outing against St. Joseph's. She went five innings, Three hits, one walk and two strikeouts. Georgina Cork came on and threw two nice innings to add three strikeouts to her day. Bulls would get a pair of RBI each from Sheehan and Rivera, and really all that pepping would need from those two here in the second inning. Slaps the ball to the club, and there is a single to left field. Actually, they're going to hold the pinch runner, so it's one nothing. It was shallow left. Sheehan struck her bat out and grabs another RBI. Rivera looking to break this one open early and strokes it, and she will do that. Right to center field. Both runners will score, and the Bulls have a 3-0 lead. Throws gets away from the catcher, but that'll be the end of the scoring there. So a two-out, big-time knock there. A two-RBI single makes it 3 to nothing. That was actually a huge hit because in the first inning, the Bulls were just crushing the ball. But on a Josie Foreman single, Ken Erickson held up Rivera at third, and then Madison Epperson hit what could have been Easily a two-run scoring hit deep to center, but it was caught, and so you're a little concerned at that point. And then Cadlib doubles to start off the fourth. Nice bunt by Johns for a single. Sheehan makes it 4 nothing, and an RBI ground out from Foreman makes it 5 nothing. That's how that game ended. So two easy wins for the Bulls. St. Johns had two easy wins against those same two opponents. So coming into Saturday, knowing you're going to play Fairfield first and St. Johns, of course, you go with Corrick against St. Johns pepping started against Fairfield and actually did a nice job but remember how I said Bulls were having issues getting runs in early actually in both games and then got it going in the second didn't happen against Fairfield and then really the pivotal part of the game was bottom third start of the fourth pond takes a ball high there how about this number for you 222 but 429 with runners in scoring position I believe that means three for seven So she likes this spot, and she drops it into the glove of the center fielder. Looked like it was going to land in. Hoffman makes a running catch, and Fairfield gets out of a jam. Give them credit again. They were 0-3 at that time at this event, and probably figured they'd lose this one, but their crowd was good. And then top of the fourth inning, Pepping walks the leadoff batter, then a sack bunt, and Ken Erickson goes to Cam Dolby and it would be a wild sequence and a go-ahead sequence with some dramatic moments for the visitors. Dolby hasn't hit seven innings in six appearances, and she gives up a base hit. That is going to be fielded by Sheehan. That's a decent throw, and they get her! Solid base hit, but Megan Sheehan with a line of a throw, and what a big play there to keep the game scoreless. Airfield fans think that Cohen, the designated run scorer, might have gotten in under the tag, but what a throw that was. And oh, by the way, Forbes, every bit of double. Big time stuff there from the Bulls left fielder. And that one is line, and can, she'll have to do it again. It gets to Sheehan. That's a decent throw and a hop, and I think she beat that one. Yeah, she did. Bulls were expecting the call, and that is one to nothing. It was another good throw, but an RBI single. You could hear their fans in the background. They followed that up with another hit against Dolby, 2-0. And the Bulls would lose the game 4-0 as Fairfield added two more in the top of the fifth. They hadn't scored more than one run in their first three games. They get back-to-back innings with two. Bulls had chances continually, but just could not execute against Allie Bridgman, who went the distance, striking out one. Yeah. She had not gotten out of the second inning the previous day against St. John's through 78 pitches. And she threw 117 against the Bulls. It was that kind of magical day. And yeah, Fairfield was hanging around Their Fans were celebrating what, like they had upset a team that was top 25 in the country, which is clearly the case. Then the Bulls, 30 minutes later, play St. John's and have no issues, scoring right away. Alana Rivera doubles in Emily Hanlon, who got the start in this game for Alexis John's. Halle Bryant in that loss to Fairfield, the freshman from Trenton, came up twice, again batting four johns with two on and couldn't move them over. Now, that would change on Sunday. We'll get there in a second. But Saturday ended in great fashion. Corrick striking out 13. Rivera the RBI double. Josie Foreman adds a homer in the fourth. And then this moment, as called by Ryan Urquhart in the sixth. What a shot this was. Epperson a high, deep drive down the left field line. Got plenty of juice, and it's out of the ballpark. A three-run shot for Epperson and the Bulls double their lead. Six to nothing. It's funny we didn't want to take a chance like we did on Friday of me doing the play by play on the second softball game and and missing, say, the first two innings of baseball because it started so late, but Cork was getting off the circle so quickly. It almost was a 90-minute game, but it it got extended there in the sixth with a long inning capped by that three-run home run. So the Bulls win 6 nothing Again, 13 strikeouts on a three-hitter for Cork, two hits each for Foreman and Rivera. So we go to Sunday's game where the Bulls were actually the visiting team, which was a little off-putting. They got a runner to third base in the first inning, couldn't score. In fact, Georgina Cork really faced hardly any issues. But the Bulls were kind of getting held down by a transfer from Binghamton, Hannah Mearns. But they got it going in the fifth inning. And again, it was Bryant who struggled in her first start the previous day. You'll hear in this key sequence from the fifth inning, helping to get things going along with Johns, who would return to the lineup. That one has popped to right field, getting a late start on, not being able to catch it is Emma Hempley as I thought Casto was going to be able to have time to get to that. Maybe that's the break the Bulls needed. Definitely a, a hit. Humplick is a catcher, but good enough of an athlete that she might stay out there, as I'm saying it. She will be lifted for a pinch runner the Bulls. Definitely have some fast guys on the bench, and Bailey Leistel is one of them. So now Hallie Bryant is going to pinch hit for Des Maldonado here, and you've got to think a bunt is on. I mean, you, you, you have to assume it. She looks at a pitch high. Bryant a speedster from the left-hand side. Bailey Leistel obviously is with speed. You're thinking if you're Ken Erickson one run, we got to get it done. She could bunt for a single, and Des Maldonado just doesn't present the same odds of successfully bunting. Bryant squares and slaps it to the right side. Left side, I'm sorry. Third baseman makes the play, and she's safe. (laughs) On cue, Bryant infield, bunt single. She just tapped that ball. And now the Bulls are in business. The runners are in scoring position for Alexis Jones, who today so far, single up the middle, bunt single. you got to know what's coming here if you're St. John's in a scoreless game. High likelihood that she is going to try and drop one down. Of course, she could also slap one anywhere up the middle. Corner infielders are way up. She could slap it over over either of them. It's going to be 2-0. Let's see what happens. Oh, right to the third baseman diving play. They're going to go home and sliding in safely as Bryant. Throw gets away. He's going to have another play. The plate safe. Kadlep gets under the tag and two run score and a ball that went right to the third baseman. Scored a single third hit of the day for Alexis Johns. And that, again, was all Korek needed. She allowed two hits in this one. The Bulls finished the weekend four and one. They are 10 and three overall. John's hitting 438, Sheehan up at 379, Josie Foreman, 367 with 9 RBIs as the Bulls have played 13 games. Megan Piero has 9 ribs hitting 333 they are hitting 284 as a team. Corrick up to date 8-0, 55 innings, 79 Ks and just four walks, only allowing one earned run. Her ERA is .13. The Bulls go to FGCU on Wednesday for a doubleheader, and then they will have 23 games in a row at home. We wrap it up with what happened with tennis and track and field. Tennis, after that thrilling win midweek against Stetson, where they finally won a close match after dropping so many, and sometimes the margin in tennis is just razor thin. You can see the final score be 4-0 or 4-1, but not realize that, you know, the two matches that were still going when the whole match was clinched we're in advantage of the team that's losing. So that's the kind of thing that had been happening to the women's team this year. It also shows you how important doubles is. They got that point yesterday against FGCU, the number two squad of Grace Schumacher and Marguerite Timmermans rolled six two. And then Laura Pellissier and Celine Yalali, who had that key singles victory against Stetson, wrapped it up at number three doubles, six to four. The other match was tight. So in the singles, that means the Bulls, thanks to the doubles point, just had to split them. And this went in their favor. As I said, FGCU was either winning or hanging around in every match but one. Emily Boy, who has dropped to the number five spot, but she's a pretty good number five player, wins 6 6-love. Six Sierra Berry got a point for the Bulls at number one singles. Yeah, the freshmen, 6-4, six 6-4. Four, six four. FGCU had an easy win at number six, so at that time, the Bulls are up three to one. Three matches left, they just need to win one of them. Well, the Eagles split the two sets in two of them. And Lara Pellissay lost her first set at the number three match, but she turned it around and clinched it 6 4, 6 2. The Bulls are three and seven, but feeling good after winning their last two matches. Next up for them. Saturday morning at home against South Alabama. Ashley Fisher's men's team was out in Tempe, Arizona, playing in this eight-team tournament, so you're going to get three matches in. They were on the wrong side of one of those could-have-gone-either-way situations in their first one against the team that they were evenly matched up against, Cal Poly. Doubles, Alvin Todorica, Sergio Gomez Montesa win their set. Bulls number two side loses, so it came down to the one match, and it went 7-5, so close doubles victory for Cal Poly, meaning the Bulls had to win four of the six singles matches. And of the six singles matches, really only one of them was lopsided, and the Bulls won that one at number four with Gomez Montesa, 6-4, six, six, 2 So the final score, again, 4-1 Cal Poly makes it sound like it wasn't close, but it definitely was. Chase Ferguson at number one forced a third set but got beat six love in the third. So credit Cal Poly's Noah Berry. Ivan Yatsuk won his first set but then got beat. Rithik Balapali played at singles at number six and lost a tight one six four seven five. The other two matches again when it ended at four one Cal Poly were favor of the Bulls with a break up in the third set. Muniz was about to win five two, and Tudorica was up four two. So that's how close that one was. But my theory was. It actually worked out because the loss meant that the Bulls played New Mexico in the second day. Had they won, they would have played Memphis, which is a conference opponent. Seems like a waste to go all the way out to Tempe, Arizona to play a conference opponent. And by the way, Memphis beat ASU in the championship. But in the consolation bracket, the Bulls were the one that got the win in a relatively tight match against New Mexico 5-1 to this time. Yeah, they win a 7-5 deciding set in doubles with Bala Pally. And Manuel Gonsalves so Bulls just had to split the singles matches got a straight set victory from Tedorica the junior from Canada did lose Tom Pisani gets a start at number six singles he gets beat 6-4-6-4 6-4. but at that point the Bulls just needed to turn in two more victories and actually it was kind of tight second set tiebreaker after he'd won the first set 7-5 and Gomez Montesa takes it so the Bulls just needed one more victory but everything was going late. Yatsuk rolled in his first set, but lost his second set tiebreaker. Muniz and his opponent split the first two sets. Both were 6-1, so the Bulls needed to come through with one of those third sets because Chase Ferguson had dropped his first set, and actually they let them both play out at around the same time. Yatsuk and Muniz, both 6-3. So 5-1 the final score. Closer than that, but still a victory for the Bulls. And then they play 65th-ranked Rice yesterday. Future conference opponent, again, if they'd won their first game, you would have had to play Memphis and then miss this chance to play a future opponent and get a scout of Rice. No, it worked out pretty well. They went 2-1, and one. another very competitive match with the somewhat lopsided-looking final score, 4-1. Now, in doubles, the Bulls dominated. They got 6-2 and 6-1 set victories at 1-2, and two, but everything was pretty tight in singles. Ivan Yatsuk actually played at the one spot and lost 7-6, 6-1. Six, six, Chase Ferguson dropped his first set but won the second when the match had been clinched thanks to three victories. Both forced to third sets, but winning them easily at 6-1 were Gomez Montesa and Tudorica, and then Muniz wins in straight sets, pushed 7-5 in the third. So the Bulls go 2-1. They're four and five and now get to be at home for a while. In fact, they'll play six straight at home starting this Wednesday against South Alabama. Finally, mentioned that men's golf is playing Coral Creek Club Invitational, the first ever of this event at the, yeah, Coral Creek Club, a beautiful golf course in Placida, where I've heard there are some pretty exclusive members. Don't want to give any inside secrets away, but it sounds like it's a nice place to be in the Bulls. In a 16-team field are one of the higher-ranked teams. In fact, Texas A&M is 18th, then Steve Bradley's Bulls are 27th. Several conference teams joining them, UCF, which is ranked 66, Cincinnati 80th, memphis at 70th other top 50 programs kent state and liberty so three rounds we'll tell you how it worked out on wednesday's show again no show tomorrow and also from track and field over the weekend the indoor season ended junior college transfer romaine beckford who won the junior college national championship in the high jump wins the american athletic conference indoor high jump championship shania benjamin wins the long jump she was named the aac indoor freshman of the year more details up on gousfbulls.com. But that's going to do it for this extended version of Bulls Beat here on the Unlimited Unloaded page. Thanks for dropping by.